Hey, everybody, and welcome back to... God, what's the name of our podcast tank? It's been a while. I know. It's been a while. Under some under 40 victims of fate. I think welcome that's what back. I Yeah. Surprisingly, people still want to hear us talk about Jimmy <laughs> Buffett and Jimmy Buffett adjacent people, places, things, all of the above. But it has been a while. Uh, it's, I'm, almost I'm excited not, to be back. I'm almost not even under 40 anymore. You know, that's how long <laughs> Basically. it's been. I am almost not even under 40. Particularly. My mayor, my son is going to be taking over the podcast game at some point. You know, yeah. he's going to be old enough soon. That's I can't wait been. because maybe he'll know how to get audio from our guest. There so, you go. Uh, in fact, I'm going to declare this since we had such a long hiatus. I'm going to declare this episode one of season two. I love that. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Um, and we have quite the guest to kick it off, right? Yeah. What a start. Unbelievable. In fact, I don't get nervous often. You know my style, Adam. You know, I don't get nervous. Fair. I got to speak a lot. A lot of people I got to talk to, big groups, small groups, whatever. I talk to people all day, give speeches all day. I don't get nervous a lot. I was driving home today and I realized to myself, man, I'm going to talk with Will Kimbrough tonight. And I got done. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit nervous, you know, but he's proven to be very kind, very patient with us. He's an angel. He's got a, <laughs> a halo over his head right now. Will, yeah, we can't thank you enough for, for coming to hang out and spend some time with us, Will. I, welcome I, I to he, Under 40 Victims of Fate, man. I knew Will had wings. I didn't know he had a halo. So. There you go. Well, everybody's got a ring light these days. I'm glad to meet y'all. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, so Absolutely. So we're excited that you're here, too. Tell us a little bit about your background, man. We'd love to hear about it. Obviously, you are uh, a child of Mobile. So I tell am, us about that. I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, and then... I moved to Nashville. That's the story of my life. <laughs> I mean, That's I've it. been playing music my whole life. So yeah. started playing in uh, rock and roll bands when I was about 12 years old. And so that was something that I just related to playing music. I started writing songs when I was about 14. And then I was in a band, that put out uh, some records in the 80s and got signed to a record deal after we moved to Nashville. But back in those days, if you were a rock and roll band, you didn't get signed to a record deal in Nashville. You got signed to a record deal in New York or LA or wherever, but not Nashville. So we lived in Nashville because it was so cheap then. And the music community was so awesome, which it still is. It's not cheap anymore, but the music community is still awesome. So got a record deal, went up to New York and had crazy fun experiences up there met all kinds of crazy people and made a record up in Woodstock at a place called Bearsville which was studio there and again had these crazy experiences but then the record company didn't care anything about the record and so they didn't promote it so our band just sort of went away and then I had another band and we made a record for John Prine's label that was a lot of fun but by that point I was about 30 years old, and I'd been playing in band since I was 12. So I didn't want to be in a band anymore where we had like a band meeting to make a set list or had to run things by other people. I wanted to do, I guess I wanted to go solo. So I did that. But meanwhile, Todd Snyder got signed to a record deal with a record label called Margaritaville Records. And that was owned by a guy named Jimmy Buffett, as you can imagine. Yeah, And so now it's not Margaritaville anymore, you know, it's Mailboat, but I started playing guitar for Todd Snyder. And then my wife and I started having children. So fast forward a few years 
and I've got a young child at home and Todd Snyder gets dropped by the record label, not really by Margaritaville. By that point, he was just on MCA records. So it's working for the MCA, just like Leonard Skinner. And so, you know, went home and regrouped and figured out how to feed my family at that point. And I made my first solo record. And then I started playing guitar for Rodney Crowell. And then somewhere in that time period, if we flash back now to a music venue in New Orleans called Tip Tac in 1996 or seven, I was there with Todd Snyder and Jerry Jeff Walker was there, the late, now late, great Jerry Jeff Walker and Jimmy Buffett was there. So everybody was real excited to be in a bar in New Orleans with a country rock band playing it. Jimmy Buffett and Jerry Jeff were up on the stage. And um, after the show, everybody wanted to go backstage because it was so exciting to be with all those fun people. But the backstage of uh, Tipitina's is smaller than this room I'm in. And, and there was about 300 people in there. And I was backed up against the wall right next to Jimmy Buffett. And so I looked over to Jimmy and I said, hey, man, I'm Will. I play guitar for Todd. And I'm, I'm from Mobile. And he said, oh, you're another escapee, are you? And I said, yep. So that started my relationship with Jimmy Buffett. And I didn't even really know it. I just thought I met Jimmy Buffett, met Jimmy. That's it. But that's five or six years later, I got a phone call from somebody at his office. And they said, Mr. Buffett would like to record these two songs of yours. And I said, okay, go for it. <laughs> but I didn't know whether it would actually happen or not. Because I'd had a lot of that in my career. I had a lot of people saying, we're going to record this song, and then they never did. But I wasn't really considered a big player on the Music Row songwriting scene. I was just a singer-songwriter who was also playing guitar for people and working in the studio with different people. And at that point, I had produced a Todd Snyder record, a real good one called East Nashville Skyline. So I was staying busy because I had a family to support and all I could do is play the guitar and write songs and I had to figure out a way to do it that way. So I figured I'd never hear back, but they called back. The Buffett office called back and said, so Jimmy's going to record those songs and he'd also like you to come down to Key West and play on the album. And I said, well, great. When is that? And they said like January, you know, it was like January 2003, 2004. And I said, Dale, count me in. I'll be there. So went down to Key West and we made a record called License to Chill. And I have a song on there called Piece of Work. And it opened up uh, a lot of things. I mean, for one thing, that record did really well. And I got to play on the whole thing and met all the Coral Reefers and all the people that played on that record, some of whom are, are pretty, you know, pretty big heroes of mine. Sonny Landreth playing guitar. Uh, of course, all the Coral Reefer folks, Mac and Pete and Jim and, and Roger, got to know them. And Ralph McDonald, of course, was still around at that time. And I got to really talk to Ralph a lot or listen to him tell stories a lot because I was a new guy and he had never told me his stories. So Ralph told me a bunch of stories, recorded my song. So fast forward now, I don't know, 17, 18 years later, I'm still playing on the albums and still writing songs with Jimmy and, or, or he's covering songs that I wrote or co-wrote with other people. So it's been a really cool ride. And there's been a lot of stuff along the way as well. That's just the Jimmy Buffett part of it. But it's been a big part of my life for like almost 20 years. So cheers to that. Cheers. And here we are, as they say. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if, if I know it was around this time. I think that may have been the last album Ralph McDonald was on. That may be right. One. He may be on one or two more, but I'd have to study up on that. But as I know now, I think I've worked on three with Eric Darkin. So plenty of percussion. Yeah. 
you know, the last few weeks as you and Adam have been talking, we've been watching our numbers on Anchor and Apple and Spotify and all the places you can find our podcast uh, ticking up a little bit. And I've just figured that's been you probably just re-listening to every episode we've had. So thank you for that. But if you, you know, if you've done that, then you have, you've heard us. I believe I've either told Adam this or I've said it on the podcast. Either way, I think it's true. You know, Jimmy Buffett, I think belongs on the uh, Mount Rushmore of American songwriters. And I think you have an argument for that too, Will. I really do an elite songwriter legitimately mean that so when you met jimmy buffett you know you look over and 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 there's james did you know much about his music and his songwriting ability and that kind of thing or were you like there's a lot of people or or were you familiar with his work oh no i mean look i'm from mobile alabama i was born in 1964 so when i was you know when i was 12 jimmy already had like four or five records out you know and that that live record what you had to be there that record from the 70s i mean that with god's own drunk and everything that record was just everywhere when i grew up everybody my especially my, my big sister's friends that was just a, a album or you know like an eight track or cassette that was just everywhere and then of course you know volcano and son of a son of a sailor all those records so yeah i mean he was a he was a fixture, but you know, to me, he was just in there with with the John Prines and the Steve Goodmans, and I mean that in, in the most reverent of ways. Like I remember seeing him on uh, Austin City Limits, and to me, it was all the same thing. It was like this magic of these people that wrote songs. So I was like a kid learning how to play the guitar and uh, not knowing I would be a songwriter. But it, quickly, I was. I mean, I'm talking about a year and a half after I picked up the guitar for the first time, I started writing songs. It was just in me to come out. Some interesting work I do now that has enabled me to look at actually the process of what songwriting is and rather than just doing it all the time. I mean, everybody has a process, but I've been working with Songwriting with Soldiers and working with the Warrior Path Program, which is actually like you're thrown in with people that are actually struggling with PTSD after combat and trying to fit back into uh, civilian life and with the families and work, et cetera, and just life and writing songs with somebody else's words in a really short period of time, but taking care to tell their story as best you can. It's really been a full circle for me to have something new to do with what you know how to do. I'm 58. I just turned 58 and I've been doing this for almost 50 years, literally my whole life. So meeting people that I wouldn't ordinarily otherwise meet and and especially sit down and write a song with them. In other words, mostly combat veterans, men and women, but also some first responder type people, law enforcement and firefighters. And they're getting the opportunity to to do these retreats and do these programs. It's kind of blown my mind. And it it takes me back to the beginning of seeing John Prine and Jimmy Buffett and Steve Goodman and Chris Christopherson and all those people on shows like Austin City Limits. Or there used to be a show called Soundstage where they'd have all those kind of artists on there. It takes me back to that just a song is really just pairing a story down to this short version and try to make it something that sticks in your head and hopefully it sticks in somebody else's head and hopefully somebody relates to it so many of the same experiences not in terms of the actual experience but in terms of how it makes us feel so it's like there's eight zillion experiences but there's only this many emotions and so and not just emotions but just feelings you know and so if you're writing a song with a combat veteran about something very specific to combat you might play it for somebody else and they feel the same thing it's been a learning experience for me because i've been doing this a long time but you're right i mean jimmy is a master storyteller when he wants to get into that mode and obviously in, through his song but also through just telling a story and he's written some good books so yeah it's, it's really fun to, the last record we made the most recent record life on the flip side we 
some of those songs so good, had to way. be. It turned out good, didn't it? It turned out really good, and I had it so is, much fun. People are not talking about just how good it is enough. I don't feel yeah. like because well, songs you don't you... know by heart came so quickly after it. But life on the flip side, I t- I was texting Hank maybe a week ago and I said it is a classic Jimmy Buffett album already in my opinion. There were just so many great songs on there, and Thank I know you you had a part in writing what three or four of those so yeah yeah i mean we were writing those songs over the phone and i mean i had such a fun time working on uh, mailbox money because jimmy sent me this pdf in an email and i thought it was going to be lyric and it was newspaper clippings and pictures and just all kind of stuff about this community in lower alabama called magnolia springs and i had already written a song called magnolia springs and put it out a few years ago so I, I mean, I know all about that place, and and his whole thing was that you know they used to deliver the mail by boat there, just a flat bottom boat, and go down the river, and the mailboxes were were on the wharves, and that image is just so Gulf Coast and coastal anywhere, and it's so Jimmy Buffett, but also he wanted to write a song about a fictional songwriter who wrote a big hit, and and then just lives down there and lives off the money, you know. So that song, I mean, y'all can all go listen to Mailbox Money. I'm sure but, you uh, know he's thrown it into the set this year, and sounds yeah. great. Life. Yeah. And I just ran with it. I mean, see, that's the funny thing. I feel like now if if Jimmy wants me to work on something, I don't wait for him to be available. I just go write a song and I send it to him and say, do whatever you want to do with it. He doesn't want me to pretend like I'm him. He wants me to be myself and do my thing and then send him stuff and then he can change whatever he wants to change. And, some, and we've written a bunch sitting in the room, but it was funny too because it was almost a uh, shape of things to come. You know, like w- we were working Christmas 2019, you know, it was like a hundred years ago. And uh, we were working over the phone and, and I, I actually wrote a song called Just Right with Mac and we were giving it to Jimmy in that same way. Man, I love that. So that's on Mac's newest record too, right? Yeah, and I mean, that's we had so many good songs for Jimmy's record that, that there was just too many because there's a lot of songs on that record anyway. It's like, I'm well, just like, well, now that you, you know, say that, I, I have to ask: Did you send Saltwater and Sand to Jimmy? Because oh yeah, that's, yeah. That he sounds said, he like said, a Jimmy Buffett song, man. Well, and he said it's a no-brainer. I'm going to cut salt, Saltwater and Sand, and then he didn't cut it. So good. Well, hopefully he'll make another record and it'll make that. One. Yeah, yeah. And you know, those songs are, yeah, they they are coming from that. I think part of it is just coming from the same place. You know, when you're from a coastal place and 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 you spend a lot of time away from, and then you get the, get down there, it's you know, it's it's a heartfelt feeling. We were just down down on the Gulf of Mexico at Dolphin Island, which is kind of a hard battered little island because it's right there in the it's the center. It's like the white stripe of Hurricane Alley. You know, mm. it's been hit by so many hurricanes that it's actually being. It, it's studied now as what what can happen to a barrier island, even more than like Galveston Island. Anyway, but uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a fun thing, and I I, I hope that uh, you know hope he makes another record, and I hope he calls me, and and I get to work on it because <laughs> it's fun. Well, he's yeah. called you for every single record since License to Chill, so I would <laughs> think you're probably you never to call back. <laughs> you got a shot. Never you know. got a shot. And Will, I I've got a question for you. I'm glad you brought up Mailbox Money because I have there's there's a line in that song. Song that I've been wondering about since the very first time I, I heard the song. And I've tried to to figure it out 
what he may be talking about, but the line that says the song I penned in 81 still keeps our world afloat. You know, so some people, I was at, actually at a show and somebody asked me if they, if I thought he was talking about Margaritaville with that lyric. And I said, no, I'm sure he's not. And I can tell you why, because Margaritaville came out in 77. So it was not written. In, yeah, that's, was that, it was, was that a fictional, it's a fictional songwriter. So sure. we just, we just, I think I wrote 81 in there just to pick a, a date that, you know, would make the person be old enough to sort of be retired on the river. Uh, it just rolled off the tongue. That song up in 81 still keeps our world afloat. So part, part of songwriting is that too. Like how do the words come out of your mouth? Oh yeah. What's the band that uses one of the like the only one of the only bands that gets away with using like weird multi-syllable words or like is like Rush or somebody like that. You know, they use the word technology like three times in a song. It's like, but and I, I mean, I, I'm not bashing those guys. I think it, I think that their their career is amazing, and and and, and I love to hear Tom Sawyer or whatever. But uh, anyway, because see, what do we have in common? Jimmy Buffett, Mark Twain, Rush, Tom Sawyer, the hell. You're you're speaking to a high school English teacher right here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I still haven't read a better story than the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. So. Oh man, yeah, of course. Well, or or Red Badge Courage or Heart of Darkness. I mean, my God, I went back and reread those in the last couple of years, and they're like they're like under a hundred pages. I guess that means I'm a short novel or a novella, maybe longer novella. than a night. There you go. Yeah, but uh, when I have English questions, I call Adam. So I'm, I'm out of my loop here. One thing I'm trying to say is that I, it's gotten to the point where I feel very free just to be myself. And when we made that album in that the last days of the old world <laughs> in January 2020, I really felt like I was a member of the band. I mean, I, everybody's always made me feel welcome, but it really was like everybody was throwing ideas and we, we smiled and laughed the whole time. I wish there was more like I wish there was like a whole documentary about the making of that album. There's some video, but, you know, I wish there was more because it was so much fun. I guess it's hard to capture that. But like, you know, we were writing lyrics to some, we were finishing lyrics to songs while Jimmy was in the vocal booth with the microphone, you know, like, and, and it was all, it wasn't like, oh God, we got to write this. It was like, hey, hey, we need, I want to change this line. What's, what can we change the line to? And then, you know, Mac and I would be throwing lines at Jimmy and he'd start singing them into the mic. In a few minutes, the song would be done. And that was must- just, I love that kind of creativity. Yeah, I was going to say, that must be how, if you're a basketball fan at all, that must be how Chuck Daly felt coaching the 92 Dream Team. You know, it's just, we got we got Mac McAnally, Will Kimbrough, Peter Mayer, Eric Dark, just Roger Guth. The, I mean, good grief. Jimmy Buffett, by the way, he's written a couple that are pretty good. You know, imagine the the creativity and the the pure just power and, you know, songwriting ability that that was in the studio right then is a really probably hard thing to comprehend for really big music fans you know it's incredible yeah plus i've been on the indie side of things my whole life as far as my own stuff so you know you're in this studio right down there on the docks at key west and so when you go out and take a break there's just you're just right on the docks and tourists are walking by and and then you go back into this quiet private world but also Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reaper band crew, like the guitar techs and the sound people and the, and the engineers, everybody's just the best, you know, and they're so chill because it's a chill gig. The whole job is to chill, like get, do the work, but then it's chill. 
And so there's 50 guitars on stands, like beautiful vintage guitars, and they're all tuned up and they're all dusted off. You know, it's like, and every day we'd finish the day and there'd be wires all over the floor because we'd been in there like kids and playing in mud pies, making stuff up. And then we'd just leave and go eat dinner and go to bed and come back and everything would be cleaned up again. I mean, that to me is like, it's just so cool because I'm not, I'm not really the, I'm more like the create, create, create. Now I got to go eat supper guy and then. Yeah. And then it, so in my home studio here, it's like the wires are still on the floor. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, and it, I can deal with it, but it's not, somebody isn't staying for an hour after and making everything back the way yeah, it was. The other side. The next day there's like lava lamps and candles right. and, you know, it's so cool. The other side of life there in, the, in that studio, not bad. You know, we got people doing that. So you mentioned Key West, which is obviously a, a wonderful place and, and really an iconic place for a lot of Jimmy Buffett fans, right? I mean, those obviously those oh, yeah. those three early Key West albums hooked a lot of people. And Adam and I have talked about this before. Those those albums came out a couple of decades before before he was around and you right. know 12 to 15 before i was around and here we are at you know at the end of a yeah. hard day i still grab a1a but oh. another really another really kind of big spot for jimmy right fun fact the wino and i know one of my favorite tunes mm-hmm. obviously inspired a lot by new orleans and and you can hear a lot of your oh, music yeah. i think will is inspired by that too but you know how how has kind of that been when do do you you guys draw from a lot of the same inspiration but how's new orleans influenced yeah. you and the same way it has jimmy being right down the road and having that access to one of the great cities of the world with one of the great cultures and getting to experience that so often. I mean, I know Jimmy lived there in, in the 60s and play, learned how to play music in a band there, you know, on Bourbon Street. I just used to go there a lot. My sister lived there in the, in the early 80s or the 80s. Yeah. And so we just spent a lot of time there. And my it was my family's favorite place, my dad's favorite place. So we just from birth we've been going to new orleans multiple times a year and not so much going to like bourbon street and like vomiting on our shoes but like going uptown and eating at mandina's and going to frankie and johnny's and eating and finding knowing these neighborhoods because my sister lived there so she knows all the neighborhoods and so getting to know the neighborhoods and then you know my band would always go play there and we had a pretty good thing going back in the day in the kind of college band days and we played tipitinas played muddy waters played Helen wolf we used to play Jimmy's Uptown, Carrollton Station, Maple Leaf Bar, all those places. So the influence is just so vast. I mean, the food, the music, it's kind of mind-blowing, but it's there. If, if you love it, you love it. You know, I know people are like, it's dirty, or like, I don't like Bourbon Street. It's like, well, don't go to Bourbon Street. You know, it's like, I don't ever go to Bourbon Street unless it's daytime and I'm walking down the part of it that's way down at the end where it's just houses because it's beautiful and, and old and it's unlike any other place in America, except for maybe little bits of Key West or St. Augustine, you know, or mm-hmm. Santa Fe. And, and the music, I mean, look, the music Music came from Africa and Cuba and Europe and hillbillies and freed slaves and people from Haiti and it just makes this magical thing and it's it's I don't think there's any American music without New Orleans and there's okay. not really much good food in America without New Orleans either so those are important things food and music very no important doubt. I would argue two of the I mean I got to be top five for everybody yeah. You know, no matter what you do there. And I'll say, I, you're right. New Orleans, incredible spot. I, I love New Orleans. I will admit, I do go to Bourbon Street a little bit when I'm down there. Because I, I tell everybody that for me, Bourbon Street is kind of like a, a Chinese buffet. It is so much fun. You, no, you, it just, is. you go do it. Then you feel bad after six or eight weeks after that, you forget about how bad you felt and remember all the fun and maybe how good the food tasted there. And then- oh. 
several weeks later again, it's like, yeah, I, I, I got to go back and do that again. You know, that's what I well, I, I went like to Bourbon Street 10 times a year from age 16 to 40. So I don't have to go anymore. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. But it's a huge, it's a huge deal. Yeah. And, and, and it hangs over everything in a good way. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to say, you were talking about, there's only, there's so many experiences people can have, but there are only those certain number of emotions. Right. And your music, admittedly, I discovered through Jimmy, right? The same mm-hmm. way I discovered Mac McAnally and Peter Mayer and so many great musicians. When you're a music nerd like I am, you still buy the physical copies and you read the liner notes. And yeah. I'm sitting in my uh, room in my house right now that's dedicated to my records. You can see that what's now spinning is yeah. on the wall and all that. Let's see, probably four or five years ago, I hated my job every single day hated going to work this was before i decided to to get into education and i was telling hank before we came on that two songs i listened to every single morning made my life bearable one of them was love and luck by jimmy the other also a jimmy jimmy's version of a song but that you wrote and it was wings oh that's cool both of those songs man just i felt like i was flying when i heard it you know and um I know I've listened to your version a million times since discovering it because it's cool to hear, you know, the different takes on it. What went into writing that? Was that a situation where you had most of it written and he kind of buffetized it, as he'll say? You know, I know he changed a few lyrics here and there. What was that process kind of like? Writing Wings? Yes. Yeah, I'll tell you. So I wrote a song called Wings, and, and it's basically the version that's on my record. And I sent it to Jimmy and I said, I said, I don't know, you might, you might like this song. I mean, you fly planes and I think this is a, a sweet song. And he said, I like that song. I like that song. I want to work on that with you. And I, and I said, okay. So we went down to St. Bart and, and I was actually, I was on my way to Scandinavia. And so January, 2008 and, or something like that. And I had to go on this tour in Scandinavia. So it was going to be the last week of January through the first couple of weeks of February in Scandinavia. It's Tough time to be in Scandinavia up there, Will. Well, it's kind of cool. They know how to do winter, though. So that's one interesting thing about it is it's like, if you're going to do winter, do it with the pros. They're like, you want to hear the saunas over there. Here's the vodka, you know, whatever. Here's the, <laughs> I mean, they, they really knew how to do it. And it was interesting, but it was, I was ready to come home again. It was dark and cold for three weeks, but I had to go to St. Bart first. And so I flew from Nashville, was frozen over, flew to uh, Miami, to St. Martin, to St. Bart. And I got there at the end of the afternoon. You can't fly into St. Bart at night because you got to fly over that mountain and like, dive bomb onto the runway and then yeah. slam on the brakes before you go into the sea it's like a famous runway you know it's the yeah. only way to go there so anyway i get there and this guy named kino who's like works works with jimmy who's a native saint bart guy french speaking guy great guy picks me up at the airport and, and he's like well let's get get you some food so we got some food and we dropped me off at this like duplex condo on the harbor there where the yachts are and big yachts saint bart it's like you know this the super fancy people are there and anyway it's night and so i'm tired i I eat my dinner and go to bed and i wake up the next morning and then i had that whole day with jimmy and then the next morning with jimmy and we finished four songs that's pretty cool so we we finished wings we wrote surfing in a hurricane and we worked on something else and then we got almost all the way through with the song called a lot to drink about and then mac finished it but um so four songs i think in 36 hours and then I flew to Scandinavia and, you know, 
basically took my shorts and t-shirt and just threw them away because I, I didn't need them the extra weight in my baggage because I needed to have you know all my was, uh, was the other song I want to go back to Cartagena you know I'm trying to think let me think it would have been about that. the right time probably I know that one was on uh songs from Saint somewhere yeah that's right so uh, in, it wasn't in 13. That one, but... Uh, I mean, nobody from nowhere's on Buffet Hotel. I don't know. Did you, you wrote that one alone, didn't you? I wrote that with Tommy Womack. Okay. Let me see. Okay, hold on. It's uh, Nobody from Nowhere, Wings, Surfing in a Hurricane. Okay, so we wrote three songs. That's what it is. We wrote three songs. And and there ended up being, that's what my four was, that there's four songs on that record. But we wrote Surfing in a Hurricane kind of from scratch. I had a song called Body Surfing in a Hurricane, which was a true story, not the hurricane part, but like a crazy night and morning in a like lightning storm, like spinning the whole between midnight and like dawn, just in a lightning storm in the water, much younger person. And I wrote a song about it and I told, and I played it for Jimmy and told him the story. And he was like, we should write, change it to surfing in a hurricane and make it a surfing song. So we, and you know, and also while we were there, the song surfing in a hurricane has is a true like surfing like you know and we did all that in his condo there we recorded it on his little he had a little amplifier about this big and he had a little fender telecaster and we had one microphone and so you know like a microphone like this and then we had it propped up on like a book in front of the end (laughs) because he didn't have a mic stand he just had a, a handheld mic and when he did demos he'd just sing into the mic so we just stacked up like three paperback books and put it on there. And that is actually the basis of the whole recording is we did the demo and that became the record. So the record you hear now is us writing the song. And then they just added the real drums and the bass and background vocals and percussion and everything to it and keyboards, you know. But the original surf guitar is played whatever he had, the one guitar he had laying around and the one cable and the one amp and the mic on the books. So that's pretty cool. I love that, that story. Cause that that's another awesome. thing of like, and the little interface Jimmy had just like the little, you know, guitar center interface thing and the, and the little, you know, MacBook. And so that was a lot of fun, but we were busy and I, I know Jimmy was surfing every morning and I'd sort of set everything up and set up the little demo studio and kind of work on stuff and then he'd show up after surfing and i'd be like did you have fun hey, man. Like, oh it's great man you know yeah like, good well let's finish these songs so i can <laughs> buy some more diapers for my kids and um no but it was it was super fun and and even the next morning when i i was leaving to the airport at about one we worked from like 10 to noon and then they had some food for me and took me to the airport and off i was to like you know oslo norway or somewhere so man. You are, uh, you're better than me, Will. I, I tell people all the time that I am latitudinally challenged. I don't want to go anywhere or live anywhere uh, where I have to wear a coat like eight months a year. Uh, I'm just uh-huh. not going to do it, right? I, I just turned 36, not, I guess, further ago than I, I probably wish or want to realize. But I think, you know, you think about it, right? I'm just, ta- I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just talking statistics and data. You know, I've probably got about 45, 50 years left. I don't want to spend any of them wearing a coat more than I don't, you know? So right. you might be the only, one of the only guys who ever left St. Bart's to go to uh, Scandinavia in, in January, which is a unique path. But you know what? You're you're from the Gulf Town there and influenced by New Orleans, which lends itself to uniqueness. So there you go. Yep. 
And they love that kind of music in Scandinavia. And also, I'll never forget, you know, just like two weeks later, I was in um, Helsinki, Finland, and it was dark all day and all night. The sun never, the sun came up, you know, I don't know, well, you've never been, so you, you don't like to wear that coat, but the sun comes up at about two in the afternoon and it goes back down. It just comes up over the horizon like this. That's it's like, I'm, that was Adam, the day. Now Adam go back can't to the go bar. either. Yeah, but Adam, we took Adam a walk that night, took a walk around Helsinki, and it was pretty mind-blowing because it was, even the fins weren't out. We were the only, it was me and this fiddle player, Jenny Scheinman, and we were walking around because we were just stir-crazy. We were on tour, and we had this night off, so we were just like, let's go walking around. We're walking around, walking around Helsinki. Nobody out on the streets. It was like below zero, and uh, had our giant coats on. And then we got to the harbor, and there was an old guy standing out there smoking cigarettes. And he started talking to us and we said, we don't speak Finn. And he was like, I speak English. And he, and he just pointed and he said, that's Russia. And he pointed to, you know, the, the, the water was so frozen over that you could have just walked over there. So, you know, it's definitely not, I'm not in Key West anymore, but it was cool. Yeah. It's a cool experience. Like I survived, came home. You know? Yeah. 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 Adam is a, a former college golfer. I, I lost this could... finger. I lost this finger to frostbite. But other than that. Let, let me see. Turn that hand around. Let me see. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was crazy. like, man, you got me. Frostbite that, that very night. It was worth it, man. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, Will, what we usually do sometimes, and I had something I want to say a little bit ago. So it's going back here, but fun plug for uh, our, the folks that are going to listen to this. The The song Wings is on an album entitled Wings, right? Mm-hmm. And usually the title track on albums is a lot of people's favorite. I will say this, though. The Wings album, full of really, really good songs. And I will admit, I listened to that album a lot the last couple of weeks, you know, because I had you on the brain. And so I listened to it a lot. I got to tell you, my favorite song on that album, The Day of the Troubadour. Absolutely incredible tune. Oh, man. What a jam. I love it. So anyway, for whatever it's worth, for a very novice musician, some guy you haven't met in real life telling you, whatever it's worth. That's hey, an unbelievable you know, song. Be, the last thing we want is only musicians like in what we do. I want people to relate to songs. Yeah. That, yeah, that's got some cool lines in it. That song does. Jesus, about Jesus being like as a sort of as a performer. Jesus left the platform after years out on the road. Or was it Jesus left the platform after years of town to town? Yep. Little miracles, little miracles from the seat of an old greyhound. And as the spotlight fades, he dreams of them begging for more. But at the end of the day in this cheap motel, it's still the day of the troubadour. That's right. Yeah. As someone who's been trying to write songs, I just turned 28. I've been trying to write songs for the last uh, 10 years. I started writing when I was a senior in high school. Sometimes I'm just like, man, why can't I write that line? So um, I think you just have to, you know, that's one of the things that I've been loving about songwriting with soldiers is uh, that people just speak without trying to be clever. And every person has their own use of language, whether it comes from their the place they're from or their family or how they're, you know, all these turns of phrases. Um, like when I wrote Piece of Work, I didn't really think I wasn't thinking Good God Almighty was from Cheeseburger in Paradise. Good God Almighty, I'm a piece of work. Great God Almighty, which way do I, you know, go for my cheeseburger in paradise? 
my dad's a good guy. I mean, it's like in lower Alabama thing. Good God almighty. That's a big fish, you know, or whatever. I mean, it's just a, my dad said it all every day. And, and I do think that when Jimmy heard it, he kind of was like, yeah, good God almighty. Like, just like cheeseburger in paradise. Yeah. This guy's influenced by me. And, but that was also in my, I mean, I, I'm well aware that, that that's in that song too, but and it's interesting. But I, I tell people when I'm working with them, like you guys, you know, if I'm working with some combat veterans who've never written a song in their lives, and then I'm singing their words back to them, having made the lines rhyme and everything, you know. I'm like, these are your words. They just sound different because they're being sung to you. People sometimes are like, how'd you, how'd you come up with that? I'm like, you said it. I just <laughs> sang it. It just seems so different when it's sung. And, you know, one of the things that I, I try to do sometimes if I'm stuck or something, I'll look at the lyrics to one of my favorite songs, like one of a song I just idolize, you know, whatever it is, you know, there's a million of them. I love a million songs. And so often they just get going with just plain words. I mean, look at, you know, Bob Dylan tangled up in blue early one morning, the sun was shining. I was laying in bed, wondered if she changed it all, if her hair was still red. Well, that's pretty plain language. It just rhymes or, you know, John Prine, hello in there. John and Loretta live in Omaha. I mean, you know, he's like, who are my characters? Where do they live? Write that down. Yeah, well, as I I study my favorite songwriters, I see that my favorite songs are not the songs that are like mega universal and are the radio hits. It's And I've learned too in my songwriting, the people that I play them for like the ones that I would have never thought they would like as much because I I mean, you can tell when something's truly authentic. And since I've stopped trying to edit myself as much and just truly write what I'm feeling, you know, uh, Jimmy says, write what you know about. I think he got that from Mark Twain. Right. And William Faulkner, too. He said, write what you know. That's right. It it was Faulkner. Yes. (laughs) And and of course, he knows what he's writing about, but nobody else does. But then again, some of his stuff is is the most plain, clear storytelling ever. He could do that in his sleep. You know, when we worked on uh, the buried treasure thing, I got to work on that. That, almost as like a technical producer like I was in charge of cleaning up the tapes and putting all his dialogue together and you know what I found out through that was that w- when Jimmy was doing that stuff he really he idolized Gordon Lightfoot mm-hmm. and he wanted to be Gordon Lightfoot you know that that didn't work for him it's, it's what he idolized but it's not who it's not what he knew you know, that's, right. that's sort of like serious and like philosophical, dour kind of Canadian point of view, which Gordon Lightfoot's awesome. But, you know, you could tell that Jimmy just had to figure out, write down what's happening that's right. with yep. him. Well, and, and it, uh, it turned out to be interesting, you know. It, it is so interesting. You you mentioned Gordon Lightfoot, right? And I, I got to listen to is about 30 seconds of Don't Bring Me Candy. And it's, it's pretty apparent that Gordon Lightfoot was a big influence. But you know, when, what is really neat, too, is to watch kind of the genesis of Jimmy's career. And and you can tell the different people who he was influenced by and the people he was hanging around. And then later, yeah. the people he was writing songs with. I mean, it's there's influence everywhere. You can tell and pick up on different stuff, which is really neat. Jerry, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jerry Jeff was the one that was like, hey, you got to come down to Key West, man. You right. know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, and there, you know, everybody has that has that journey. I know I got to know John Prine a little bit over the years, and you know, he had that that thing where he seems to have appeared out of nowhere in 1971. But he wrote 500 songs before I kept one. I don't know if it's a work ethic, but it's it's a drive. You know, it's a desire that you just can't help. You know, I mean, look how much work Mac does, Mac McAnally. I mean, he just he's always doing stuff. I can also I was at Dolphin Island down the Gulf of Mexico a couple of weeks ago and I was perfectly able to do nothing all day. Because I also know that if you're a writer, you gotta just stop and like 
almost glaze over sometimes just to let some of what's been happening or what you've been looking at and listening to and reading and experiencing sink in and turn into little earworms that are going to start coming out, you know. And sometimes I'm not so good at that. Sometimes I'm, I just stay busy all the time. But part of that is just you get offered work and you want to go do it. You know, it's something that sounds like a good idea to go do. I should do that tour. Oh, I should do that studio work. I should produce that record. I need to make a record. I should go play a show, blah, 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 you know. And so my wife and I have learned to just sort of like book time out ahead of time. Not even a big trip or some big expensive thing. It's just like we're going here and we got to go see my family down in Alabama. Just got to do it. Got to go every month. See my mom. You know, she's in her 80s. It's like, you got to go. Yeah. Got to go see her because, you know, we're not all here forever. And and that time is also just as valuable as sitting down with a notebook and a paper and a guitar. You're going to get your next song from what you've experienced. And when you've experienced enough and something really just touches you, then there's going to be a song. It's just going to come out. I mean, I, I worked up a song today and recorded it. I have a Patreon, which is one of those, you know, people can kind of subscribe to your creative content. And I, I put up a new song every month. And I needed one for this month and I do a podcast too. And I was doing this podcast about change and just how, you know, hard change is, but then how good it is for you once you sort of accept it and you move on and you, you do, you change, you know, you, you don't get a choice. So you might as well try to roll with it. And, and then I remembered I had this song called change that I wrote with my friend, Will Owen, who I've written a bunch of good songs with. And then in my mailbox the next day, there was a CD of his new album and, and that song was on there. And so I just, I reworked it up because I remembered it, but I couldn't remember how to play it. It was somewhere in my laptop or somewhere. And, and so I worked it up and I actually recorded it yesterday and today and kind of mixed it so that I could release it to my Patreon patrons. And it's amazing, you know, just, just put a little time in ruminating on whatever's been happening in life and just write it down. I mean, this song is called Change. You can't stop it. Change. It's in your pocket. One thing in this world stays the same and that's change. Well, that's the truth, right? And it's fun. It's a fun, like, up-tempo song, and it's just all about that, and that's it. And so now I have a podcast and a song, and then I do this anatomy of a song that I make a little video showing how a song was written, basically. And so now this month I have, coming up in June, my patrons are going to get everything on the same theme, for better or worse. But but that's fun. You know, sometimes things come your way, and you're just out in your own little world doing, doing what I do, you know. Just got to kind of make stuff up i mean it's my job so every day it's going i need to go out there and make stuff up and i like it you know and now it doesn't feel like any pressure anymore like songwriting with soldiers taught me that that because you literally get two or three hours and you got to meet people listen to their story write stuff down try to hear the shared story if it's a group if it's a group effort you got to hear everybody's story and listen for the experience that everybody has in common and then make a song out of that using their words and it's better if it takes like two hours from the beginning to the end of the night. And that's a very short period of time. And, and it's taught me that I can't put that kind of pressure on myself, but it's there in that, in that work. That is the job. And so it can't be pressure. If it is, then it's going to be no fun. So it just has to be like, Hey, I'm Will, I'm a songwriter. Thank you for talking to me. I'm not, I'm not military, not in religion business or military business, just a civilian. But I'm a songwriter. Where are you from? Are you in the military? What's the branch? Are you still active? Why are you here in this program? What was the pivotal moment that made you sit here? And that'll make somebody tell you, well, you know, 
my employer or my wife or my, my, my preacher at church, you know, I was suicidal or whatever, because veterans, you know, it's a suicidal epidemic. I don't want to get into too much, too dark and dreary on this Jimmy Buffett themed podcast, but somebody has a story to tell and, and, it, and it's, got, it's like speed dating for stories. And then you're listening for the common story. And I guess what I'm trying to say in a long-winded way is that having that pressure every couple of weeks or once a month, whenever I fly out to do one of those programs, I have to write a song. Like there's no option. You cannot go, Oh, we didn't get one tonight, guys. Sorry. Have a good PTSD program. You know, right. it's more like yeah. I'm listening, I'm writing, I'm typing, I'm listening, I'm talking, I'm asking questions. And then something pops out because it has to. So it's, it's changed the way I write songs now. It's like something's going to pop out because something's there. So many songs that I listen to a million times in my life aren't that complex. And I'm a fan of the big hits, but I'm also a fan of the, the deep cuts. So at this point, to me, it's like I'm not the greatest songwriter. Nobody's the greatest songwriter. You know, there's some of them up there and, and they're going to get called that on the Mount Rushmore that you mentioned, you know, the kind of the marquee of greats. But, you know, you need to have some pretty big hits to, to get there. But man, I'm almost 60 years old. The reward for me has always been that I get to keep doing this. Now saying that became a lot easier once I started making a living off songs. And that, and that helped, Jimmy Buffett helped me immensely in that way. Like that kind of validation will certainly make you relax a little bit. Yeah. You know? Well, I almost told you earlier that I work like you work a lot too, but I don't, I don't do it because I have so much creative energy I need to get out. I do it because my, my wife and kid like to live indoors and eat, man. So I got to go do it. You know, well, that too. Yeah. You know, that, that work you do with veterans, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned it and talked to us about it because it's, it's worthy work, Will, and I'm, it's oh, yeah. really great to hear about it. So thanks. I know you mentioned your podcast that you do, you know, just save you some sleepless nights as you work up the gumption to ask us, but I'll get this out of the way. Adam and I'll come on anytime you want. You just let us know. We'll return the favor. We'll jump on yours. All right. You know, on, on this one, we always like to do some stuff as we start to wrap up and don't want to keep too much of your time. I know you pre-cooked dinner and so you're probably anxious to go get that. But, you know, as we wrap up, we always do a fun little segment where we tell folks and Adam's better at explaining it than I am. So I'll probably get it wrong. He might, he might have to jump in. We're old friends though. He can correct me. Four songs. You know, if you had a little four song, little record and you're on a desert island for a week, you could only take this one little cassette with four jimmy buffett songs which four would you pick i'd pick uh a pirate looks at 40 i'd pick son of a son of a sailor and i would pick he went to paris mm. and i would pick pencil thin mustache <laughs> very good a big fan of the 70s jimmy buffett right there a lot of influence there that, that's the first stuff i heard when yeah. i saw him playing on the tv and just sort of sitting there looking like a cool guy with a big mustache and like just chilling like hey i'm just doing my songs telling my stories everybody's laughing and then he'd do some songs that made people kind of thoughtful too you know yeah so yeah no, I, those those are good adam you want to go or you want me to go for that <laughs> Let's see. If I was going to an island this week, my four Buffett songs. Goodness, it's been so long since we've done this. I don't remember what I've said on here before. The good news is probably no one else does either then. That's true. If you have your circle back around, you got your four? Oh, I, I have my four. Okay, I forgot what you uh, even did. It's easy for me to name these four. You know, what is it today? Thursday, right? So I've been I've been looking forward to this since the weekend. So I've been a little Will Kimbrough mood this week. All right. So admittedly, some Will Kimbrough influence, at least in the first couple. All right. So piece of work is the first one, specifically the version from Wrigley Field. One of my one of my favorite concerts I've been to is uh Wrigley. So piece of work from from Wrigley Field, that specific version. Very good. So I'm going piece of work. The next one, I'm going with Slack Tide. Fun fact, one of my favorite Jimmy Buffett 
favorite lyrics of all time. Kind of came out hot there. Very new album. Favorite lyric of mine right at the beginning of the song, Slack Time. I've got a fish on the line, but there won't be a feast. We've got too much in common and he shall be released. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible. Dude, and I wanted to circle back around to that. So I'm so glad you mentioned that song, Hank. If you didn't, I was going to. So many highlights on that record down at the Lottie Dawes. A great Jimmy Buffett way to open it, book on the shelf. A great Jimmy Buffett way to close it. There's some highlights in between there, including Slow Lane. And then I don't know that Slack Tide is not the best actual song on the record. Just pound for pound music yeah. and lyrics. Goodness gracious, you guys knocked it out of the park with that one, man. And I'll tell here's a fun fact. The song Just Right, which is on Mac McAnally's most recent album, was originally called Slack Tide. Huh. Wow. And yeah. Okay. So so we if you sing the chorus, you know, and it's just right and it's slack tide. So we Jimmy was telling us he wants to write the slack tide song, wants to write the slack tide song. And so Mac and I got on the phone and it was again, it was Christmas. It was like Christmas twenty nineteen. So it was just Christmas time. So nobody was going over to your house and co writing songs. We were just getting on the phone going, What about this slack tide idea? And we couldn't get Jimmy on the phone. So Mac and I got on the phone and we wrote a whole song over the phone, just getting off the phone and, and then writing and recording. I'd send him up a phone recording, he'd send me one. And then and we wrote a whole song. And then Jimmy texted us and said, I'm writing Slack Tie with Peter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we were like, what? So, but then we, then we, he said, but I like that tune you guys got. Just changed course so we did we changed it to it's just right and so anyway it's fun i got a you know four songs on a jimmy buffett record and one song on a matt mcanelly record so hey that's rarefied air. if you're listening to this and you've not listened to mac's most recent record yeah uh, just right is probably not just saying this because wheels on probably my favorite song on that record if you take out changing channels which is one of my probably five favorite jimmy buffett songs so to hear max yeah. rendition of it yeah. it's incredible there's a beatles cover on there i believe just a really really good record max last two records he's put out have been just amazing but anyway sorry to hijack your your list tank i had to let will know just not that he needs my confirmation but that song is incredible i'll forgive you this time um for on the knees of my heart so. Right. I, I guess I got two more, right? Piece of work from Wrigley, Slack Tide. I have really had this song stuck in my head for about, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks. And it's on an album you mentioned earlier, Will. It's on the Volcano album, Treat Her Like a Lady. Man, I've been jamming to that one quite a bit. And so I'd go with that one, I think. And then unfortunately, as much as anything, a commentary on our world right now, I've I've been listening the last couple of days to If It All Falls Down. Uh, mm-hmm. So those probably be my four. A lot of variants in there. You know, a lot of, lot of room in there. A lot of different songs. Got some slow stuff, some fast stuff, serious stuff, not as serious. Eclectic, all over the place. A good mix. Yeah. But the last, you know, few weeks I've been driving a little bit. And instead of going to like an album, I've just been going with Shuffle on my playlist so it's been all over the map so it's really cool when you get like love and luck like you mentioned earlier adam and then you get something off white sport coat and a pink crustacean and then right after that you get slack tied so it's been cool so i'm all over the map but i think those are my four yeah, well, one of mine, and I've been playing this song on the ukulele a lot lately because, um, well, I guess, shoot, fire, since we last recorded, my wife and I found out we're having a youngin uh, mm. due in August. All so, right. Time. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. I've been playing a lot of Dreamsicle because I've been trying to figure out bassinets like Jimmy uh, from the Volcano yeah. record. Uh, yeah. Dream Dreamsicle has been one of my favorites for, for a good deal of years. That's cool. Not to hijack one of Will's songs, but I'm going to say he went to Paris as well because yeah. he did that as the encore in Raleigh when we went to the show, Hank. And yep. oh my goodness, I wasn't ready for it. Like, I mm-hmm. think that song and Trying to Reason with Hurricane Season are like the two songs that 
really hooked me on Jimmy yeah. Buffett's music. Uh, you know, yeah. past changes in latitudes and Margaritaville. But when it got into those, I was like, holy crap, this dude can write a song. Yeah. Um, woman woman going crazy on Caroline Street. That's another great one. That is another great one. Savannah Fare You Well, another song that uh, I know Jimmy didn't write it, but he played that song in Raleigh. And it was so cool to hear that song, Something in the Wind Tonight, Some Kind of Change in the Weather. We've had this like long drought here in rural Sampson County, North Carolina. And mm. we finally got some weather this week. And anytime like I see the clouds getting a little bit dark, that line comes to my mind. There's something in the wind and not some kind of change in the weather. And let's see, I need one more. I heard this today on Radio Margaritaville on the way home from work. And it's just a beautiful day. Not too hot. I had the window down. Migration for me, 1A. Just a, a fun little bop. So yeah. those will be my four for the week. We have a strong I mean, I collective could... album here. <laughs> we you do. Know? Yeah. We do. Yeah. And if it's a collected album, I'll swap out He Went to Paris since Will took care of that for what's probably been my favorite Jimmy Buffett song since we last recorded, which is That's What Living Is to Me. I love when he says, because the whole song is essentially a tribute to Mark Twain, when he right. says, my, my twain of thought is loosely bound. I guess it's time to mark this down. <laughs> Only good. Jimmy, right? Elite, there's uh, this young lady I work with. She teaches me so much stuff all the time. And so I, I told her, I can't really teach you anything about what we do because she knows more than I do. So I told her I was going to start playing one Jimmy Buffett song a week and introducing her to one Jimmy Buffett song a week. Last week was our first one. And it was, that's what living is to me. And it was because of that line. And I like stopped the song and I was like, did you not hear what he just said? Like, yeah, <laughs> that is incredible. The thing that he it just is. wrote. It sure big, is. big time, big time. Well, Will, we can't thank you enough, man. It's been incredible to get to listen to you, just kind of share everything you have. You've been a remarkable guest, Will, and thank generous you. with your time. So thank you so much, man. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. Thank you guys for loving music so much. I love hearing, hearing you talk about it. I can hear how much you love it. It's great. Yeah. Cool. When we have people on, uh, we've been lucky enough to have uh, – Mick, Lee and Aaron McAnally and Brandon and Pete Mayer. So some pretty cool guests that really know music. And of course, we know all of your influences. A lot of them are the same, right? John Prime, Jerry Jeff. I've heard you say, I feel like before Springsteen, you know, the early Springsteen sure. stuff. I'm curious though, in such a music saturated world, what the great songwriters enjoy listening to these days. What, what modern music or, or artist are you listening to right now what's on your playlist i've been listening to this artist and i think it's a young woman and it's called i, I think she's just a singer songwriter but it's like got a band name called the weather station and i mean it is some melancholy music but it is beautiful stuff and i've been listening to the weather station because it's just it's just really beautiful and incredible but also i've discovered this young woman named her name's bedouin it's like the word bedouin b-e-d-o-u-i-n but with an e at the end bedouin and i think she's originally from syria but she sings like this kind of like easygoing kind of country folk music it sounds like 70s kind of every time i hear her it just kind of knocks me out and i mean i'm always working on music in the studio with people so i'm always hearing stuff well that, those are the most modern things i've probably listened to in a while I mean, other than like instrumental stuff and like jazz stuff. I listen to a lot of stuff with no words just while I'm cooking and stuff. Sometimes I don't want to hear words, but there's just so much music out there. There's so much. And I listen to, I've got a radio app, my computer that I use for sort of streaming audio. I like to hear radio stations that have DJs. 
So there's a lot of cool little radio stations all yeah. over the country. And then there's, uh, man, I've got to tell you, it sounds crazy, but French public radio is kind of mind blowing. Like they play, they have their main station and then they have a rock station, new indie station and like a groove station and a reggae station and a jazz station and a world music station. You can just flip between them and they're just playing. And they play so much American music that you've never heard. And I'm like, I'll tell you, I'm about to tell you somebody right now. I'm just trying to think of her. I want to get her name right. For some reason, they're all, they're all women kind of singer-songwriters, but I've discovered this woman named Natalia M. King, and she's got a record out called Woman Mind of My Own. She's got three albums out, but man, she is kind of on my mind. I think she calls herself a blues singer. Check it out. So she's born in the Dominican Republic, and she lives in Paris. She went to Paris, but, but she's great. And I mean, I just heard her on the radio the other day and she was doing a song that I've heard maybe Bonnie Raitt do before somebody. It was, what's the song? Here it comes. It's a song called Lover, You Don't Treat Me. Lover, You Don't Treat Me Right. And and I was like, who is that? It sounded like a classic record from like 1977 or something. But I couldn't figure out because I mean, I, I feel like I should know all that stuff. That's like my wheelhouse. And I had to look at I had to shazam it on my phone, like while listening to French public radio on my laptop through my stereo, through a, you know, DAC and everything. But she's kind of knocking me out. So she's got three albums that I've never heard before. And just today, I heard an artist I'd never heard of in my life singing a song about Dauphin Island, where I just visited and where I went as a kid every summer. And so she's singing a song and it turns out she's got roots in lower Alabama too. And she's just got this beautiful song about Dolphin Island. So music, of course, we live in an era where there's too much music. So it's hard for musicians to sort of get a foothold as a profession. But for a music fan, I'd never heard of these people before. And I listen to music all the time and I search for it, study up on it, read about it and try to find new stuff. And there's just so much. I mean, I could, I could probably name off a, a million other things, but I think those women, Bedouin and Weather Station, and then Natalia M. King, it's like you find three artists you've never even heard of. And then they have, each have like three or four albums, and they're really good songwriters. It's like kind of overwhelming, you know? So sometimes you just have to there make are a few, little playlist with a few songs on it and, and exactly. not listen to the whole album because you can't just derail your whole life. Yeah. That's my method, down the too. Rabbit hole. There are a few feelings better than when you find that one song from an artist you've never heard. And you dig a little deeper and you find a few more. And then they have a few albums you've never heard. Stuff like that. Yeah, it's like a gold mine. It's like you strike a little vein of gold and you're like, okay, I've got somewhere to go I've never been. And I don't Mm -hmm. have to leave the house. That's right. We're going to link some of them. uh, Hopefully they're on Spotify or some other places. They are. uh, Yeah, yeah, we're going to... yeah, please do. We're, we'll put them in the in the in the episode notes of this episode, where you can you know sometimes we'll make a little playlist and attach it with an episode. So yeah, I think we can we can find some Will Kimbrough songs to put on there too. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you can. Well, man, <laughs> I can't thank y'all enough. It's fun. Yeah, yeah thank, thanks so much, Will. This was the great, blast. and we're glad to be back. Will, we were knocking the rust off here with you tonight, so hopefully we did all right. Couldn't right. have been more fun on our end. Couldn't have been more fun. Yeah. So thank you Super again. Fun, man. And I know you're on the road quite a bit. I know you're going out to LA next week, right? Or something. But if you're yeah. ever anywhere near North Carolina, I can't wait to come see you and listen uh, and check you out. Absolutely. In yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Adam. Yes, indeed. One chance here to take us away, man. What's that? I said one chance here to take us away. One chance to take us away, Will. I, I got to. 
throw a shameless plug in here before we get going. If you ever uh, if you ever need someone to hop in on a uh, co-writing sesh, you hit me up, man. Right on. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, I've yes, been, wor- indeed. Been, wor- been working on something called South End Pier that, that might be up your alley. So. Oh, cool. All right. <laughs> Let's get on it. Yeah, man. That'll be fun. Let's get on I- Again, from the bottom of our hearts, off the coast of Carolina, thank you so much for, for in Carolina. Yeah, from here in Carolina. So, <laughs> thank you. Um, and and for the first time in several months, but not the last time, because our, I'm reminded of how much fun this is. Yeah. yeah. This is this has been under 40 victims of fate. It's been too long since I said that. I'm glad I could say it. Yeah. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening.